Revelation 16. I know we finished like the last bowl. Didn't we get to the last bowl? Somewhere, right, around the seventh angel, seventh bowl. We'll just go back and read from the top, though. <laughs> that was funny, huh? <laughs> Can I encourage you to read ahead the next two chapters, 17 and 18? Uh, we would probably won't finish those two chapters next week, but it'll kind of give you an idea of where we're headed uh, the destruction, play-by-play -play destruction of Babylon. And so um, two, two chapters dedicated um, to this destruction. I think there's six chapters overall in the entire Bible dedicated to the destruction of Babylon. And so let me encourage you to read ahead, to be prepared uh, for next Sunday. Everybody there? Revelation 16, let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this beautiful morning this special time that you've, um, you've allowed us to have to be together and to open your word and to have you minister to us, to teach us, to nourish us, to wash us with the water of the word. And may it be your word that fashions us this morning by your spirit we are in need of a fresh work this morning of your spirit. Apart from you, we can do nothing. And so we need you, Lord Jesus. Help us to not only correctly divide your word, but to correctly apply it in our lives. Thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit who enables us and helps us to walk in these things. And so we commit this time to you now. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. Have your way in this place for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. All right, so um, just a little uh, context of where we are. If you're joining us for the first time in the book of Revelation, um, we are looking at a uh, future event that will happen on planet Earth known as the tribulation period. It is a seven-year period where God will pour out his wrath upon a Christ-rejecting world. Um, that time will be filled with a series of three judgments, and we'll talk about the, that more as we go along. I believe, um, I, actually, I don't believe that we, the body of Christ, Christians, will be here during that time period that we will be raptured, taken out of here, mass evacuation before the tribulation happens. In fact, um, let me just remind us this morning, maybe you've come in with a troubled heart. Maybe you're experiencing trials and, and, and difficulties, tribulations with a small t in your life right now. Can I just remind us of the words of our Lord Jesus Christ? He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. 
And so Jesus came, gave his life on the cross, rose again from the dead, ascended into heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father, and he is preparing a place for you and a place for me in the Father's house. And he promised to come and to get us, to take us to that place, right? He said, I'm going to come and take you to the place, receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. We are not appointed unto wrath, the Bible says. In fact, Jesus absorbed the wrath that we deserved on the cross. And so that's why I believe, because that's what the book says, that's what Jesus says, that he's coming any minute and that we will be evacuated before the tribulation comes on planet Earth. I hope that's a comfort to some of us this morning, maybe to alleviate your heart, because the best is yet to come for us as Christians. Amen? And so during this tribulation period, we've come to the tail end. We're looking at the final, we're actually looking at the final judgment. Hallelujah for that, right? We began, hasn't it been a couple years ago we started this study? (laughs) We began with what? With the seal judgments, right? And those judgments happen chronologically, sequentially, right? One after another. Number one seal, number two seal is open, number three seal, and so on. Seventh seal was opened by Jesus, and then what happened? Seven trumpet judgments. First trumpet judgment, second tr- Again, there's a, there's, a, there's a sequence that happens, and now we've arrived at the seven bold judgments, and I just want to remind us this morning why, maybe you're sitting here this morning again joining us for the first time, why would God pour out his wrath on a Christ-rejecting world? Well, I just want to remind us there's three main reasons for the tribulation period. Number one is to remove wickedness and wicked ones. In order for God to bring, in order for the Lord Jesus to bring the beauty of heaven to earth, there's going to be some ugliness and some pain. Correct? He's going to remove wickedness and wicked ones. Number two, many people will get saved during the tribulation period. In his wrath, he remembers mercy. As he is pouring out judgment, he's still reaching. It's like he's pouring out judgment with one hand and reaching out with the other with mercy, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And the, 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 the judgments, they ramp up. They, they get more intense as, as we, the further we get into the book of tribulation. But we see what happens to men's hearts. We learned the last two weeks that men's hearts get harder and harder and begin to do what? Rather than repent, rather than tap out, they're doing what? Men will be cursing God and blaming God. Check this out. And this is heavy. Check. Blaming God for the consequences of their sin. That's heavy, man. You're blaming God for what you got yourself into and you've been warned over and over. And what has God done to rescue us? You guys know he sent the Holy Spirit to convict us of sin righteousness, and judgment to come. The Apostle Paul told, the, told those heavy thinkers at Mars Hill, he reminded them that God has pre-appointed our times and our boundaries that we might come to know him. In other words, where you were born and when you were born, God has stacked the deck in his favor that you might come to know him personally. He's done everything he can short of twisting your arm that you might be part of his kingdom. And what does God do? He gives us creation and a conscience. He brings people into our lives to bear witness that he is alive, to share the truth with us. But during the tribulation period, what else does he do? Not only give witnesses, 
not only give, raise up two witnesses, 144,000 witnesses, and not only that, if, as if that's not enough, what does he do? He sends some angels cruising through the air, warning humanity, sharing the everlasting gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. God's doing everything. And some people say, if I could just see an angel, if an angel just dropped in right into my living room, I would give my life to Jesus. You guys are saying, uh-huh, you're here. You know what I'm talking about, right? If I just saw this happen, if I just saw that happen. Listen, if an angel dropped into your bedroom, you'd drop dead. You wouldn't have a chance to repent and get right with the Lord. And, and here's the deal with miracles. Miracles don't create a lasting faith. Not that I'm down on miracles. I, love, I dig it, seeing God do cool stuff, miraculous stuff. It's awesome. But miracles don't produce a lasting faith. They just create a hunger, a vacuum for more and more supernatural and more miraculous. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. No amens for that. I'll amen that. Thank you, Lord. And God is dealing not only with, with, with unrepentant humanity, but he's also de- dealing with the chosen people, the Israelis. God's not through with the Jew. God has purposes and plans attached, promises attached to their lives, to that people group, and God is faithful to his word, is he not? He's faithful. He's going to keep his promises to them, but it is going to take tribulation for them, to, at the end of the tribulation, to cry out for Jesus. You know that song we just sang, Hosanna? What does Hosanna mean? You guys are singing stuff you don't know what it means? <laughs> what does Hosanna mean? You guys know. Come on. Save now. Remember when they were proclaiming that? When Jesus was cruising down the Mount of Olives on the back of a donkey? You guys remember that? That Palm Sunday deal? You guys remember that? Yeah? And everybody's doing what? They got the palm branches. They're yelling what? Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna. Save now. Save us from Rome. Not from our sins, Lord. Rome. You filled our tummies with bread. We want to now make you king. Because you can fill our tummies, and you can set us free from Rome. Listen, his first coming, he came as a suffering servant. His second coming, he's coming as a conquering king. At the end of the tribulation, when there's one-third of the Jews left, they will recognize the Antichrist is not the Messiah, and they will cry out for Jesus Christ, and he will come. Revelation 19, what's he going to be riding? White horse. Who's with him? Us. Yes, hallelujah. Cruising, what are we riding? Harleys? What do we got going? Skateboards? What are we riding? White horses, Mustangs, with white horse coming with him. And he'll set up his kingdom and rule and reign in righteousness. And we get to be part of that. Isn't that beautiful? And so the judgments ramp up. We're toward the end here. Listen, God's spirit will not always strive with man. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 45, woe unto him that strives with his maker. And if that's you today, you're, you're still shaking your fist maybe, or maybe you're religious and think you're right with God and you're involved with stuff you know you shouldn't be involved in, if you keep hardening your heart and hardening your heart, it's harder to hear Jesus knocking on your heart's door. That sound gets fainter and fainter and fainter. And so today is the day of salvation. Don't harden your heart. Receive the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, we get, that's a long enough intro, isn't it? 16. Verse 1, I'm just going to read down, okay? Get a little running start here. Y'all good with that? Amen? Good? Okay, we're just going to do it anyway. 
Then I, John, heard a loud voice from where? From the temple, that's the heavenly temple, this is where God is, saying to the seven angels, here's the instructions, go and pour out the bowls of the wrath of God on the earth. And we learn in chapter 15, verse 1, for in them the wrath of God is complete. So the first went and poured out his bowl, where? Upon the earth. And a foul and loathsome sore, some kind of boil, came upon the men who had the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. Then the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it became blood as of a dead man. And every living creature in the sea died. Then the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water, and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the waters saying, here's heaven's assessment of what's going on, you are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and who was and who is to be, because you have judged these things, for they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, they murdered your people, and you have given them blood to drink, for it is their just due." And I heard another from the altar, again, that's in heaven, saying, even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. And that's something we need to take hold of. Everything that God does is righteous and true. The fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and power was given to him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat. And they blasphemed the name of God, who has power over these plagues, and they did not repent and give him glory. Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom became full of darkness, and they gnawed their tongues because of the pain. They blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores and did not repent of their deeds. Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates and its water was dried up so that the way of the kings from the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are spirits of demons, performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. And then Jesus interjects here an exhortation, a warning, an encouragement. And Jesus says, behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments. Why? Lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And they gather them together to the place called in in Hebrew Armageddon. And I just want to point out before I move forward, a lot of people are saying, talking about Armageddon, aren't they? Anybody see that in the news? This is nuclear Armageddon coming up and and we're about to start Armageddon and and this has got to be Armageddon. This is not Armageddon, what we're seeing, by the way, number one. Correct? Amen. Hopefully we've studied the book. And the news people and people that say this typically don't give you the rest of the story, though, because at Armageddon, Jesus will come. He's going to show up and obliterate his enemies. Amen? 
So let's just make sure we understand that this is not Armageddon coming. There are wars and rumors of wars. And Jesus said as we get closer to the end before he comes, before the birth of his kingdom, this stuff would happen with more intensity and more frequency. Correct? They're like birth pangs. Gals, when you have birth pangs, the closer you get to having the baby, they happen with more intensity and more, yes? Is that right? I don't know. I'm just rooting Tanya on. Come on, baby. <laughs> the closer we get to the birth of the kingdom, the Lord coming, they're going to happen with more intensity. They're going to ramp up. And so Armageddon will be at the end of the tribulation period. And it's not much of a battle, is it? These, these armies of the world who've pledged their allegiance to the Antichrist show up. It's more of a show up in the parking lot for a fight and get whooped is the idea. Well, let's look at the seventh angel, seventh bowl, what happens. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying what? It is done. And so angel number seven pours out his bowl and where? Into the air, right? And some people believe because it's poured out into the air that God is dealing, his judgment here is dealing with those behind the scenes. Remember, Satan is the prince of the power of the air and he has these fallen angels, his, his demonic army, and somehow judgment is affecting them. In any event, as the bowl is poured out, God speaks from the throne in a loud, great voice. It is, it is what? It is, it is done. And as we read further on, his loud voice, like it says in Psalm 29, has serious consequences. Look what happens, verse 18. And there were noises and thunderings and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake such a mighty and great earthquake as had not occurred since men were on the earth. And so as God speaks loud and says, it is done, a lot of things happen, don't they? Number one, there's noises and thunderings and lightnings. This is not the first time we've seen this happen. Back in, I think it's chapter 11, at the seventh trumpet judgment, we also see this same kind of dynamic that happens, noises and thunderings and lightnings, you see. And also, what else? There was a great, what else happened? A great what? A great earthquake. So things get loud and things get shaky. Anybody ever here? Anybody been here? That's here? Been here? You been here today? Any of you guys ever been in an earthquake here? There's been a few. I saw some hands go pop up real fast. It's gnarly, isn't it? Like, you have no control. It's spooky. I would say it's humbling, too. Because you're just like, you can't do anything. You're, you're, the whole place is moving and then shaking. And there's tremors. Stuff's falling off the, the walls, the shelves. And you can't do anything about it. You're helpless. And it's heavy. In fact, we, earthquakes have been happening for a long time, haven't they? And usually the major earthquakes are what make the news, but there's earthquakes happening a lot, aren't there? 
There's lots of earthquakes happening around the world. Again, more intensity. Jesus said that would happen. More intensity, more frequency. Um, and we have systems of measurement for them now, don't we? Also the Richter scale and, and other stuff. And so um, we've seen earthquakes in the book of Revelation, but this one is the great, does it say the great one? This is the mighty and great earthquake that happens. Um, it's interesting. I grew up in California, and it was always, this has got to be the big one. Oh, it wasn't the big one. The big one's coming. We're going to fall into the ocean, and they'll have oceanfront property in Arizona. From, from my front porch, you can see the sea. <laughs> Some of you will get that later. It's totally cool. But, you know, just studying this week and sharing with first service, you read through this and it's like, Lord, what are you trying to show us? Man, this big shaking going on that's going to happen. And, and, and we know that we're not appointed unto wrath, that we're going to be with you. And maybe even seeing it from the mezzanine, I don't know, Lord, if we're even going to be able to see this at all, how gnarly it is. But listen, even in life we experience shaking, don't we? You know what I'm talking about? Like you, you feel like, man, I'm getting just everything. My, my emotions, my job, family stuff. And as we work our way through this Bible study this morning, I just want to encourage you, um, we're going to experience shaking in life. And I'm hoping that if you're going through that right now in your life, that you would see that as a good thing. Because shaking often, if we allow it to work in our lives, it reminds us of where we need to keep and put our trust, and that's in the Lord, the one who is unshakable, is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he told us that storms would come, that shaking would come. We've chosen the narrow way, haven't we, gang? Jesus let us know right up front it's going to be difficult, and there is pain. Life is full of pain, correct? It's full of difficulty, I don't know how people do it out there that are not saved watching the news. they got to be freaking out, eating comfort food and tipping them back and biting their nails or whatever. But we, listen, we should be the most chill, shouldn't we? Joyful, excited. But somehow as Christians, we portray the exact opposite. And we know the future. We know how it all rolls out. We're on the winning team, correct? The best is yet to come. What's the worst that can happen? What's the worst that can happen? You take your last breath and you go say hi to Jesus. I go say hi. We go to be with him. That's the best thing, isn't it? Is to be with him in the place he's preparing. You got a death wish, Mike? No. I, you got some fascination with death? No. I got fascination with life. That's when life begins for me hopes and dreams, the people in our church that went home before us that are with Jesus to hang out with all the Old Testament heroes and the, the heroes of faith, all the heroes of the Bible throughout history, all our, our brothers and sisters that, man, can't, what's it going to be like hanging out with Isaiah? How about Obadiah? Who? Don't, listen, if you meet, when you meet Obadiah in heaven, don't say, who are you? Tell him you went to First Baptist or one of those churches, please. Don't tell him you went here. 
But if you come Wednesday night, we're going we're gonna to study Obadiah. Some of you, we've already gone through Obadiah. You're looking for a good baby name, Obadiah. Come on, O. Where are we? Verse 19, look at this. So we got a, we got a great voice, right? The, a loud, that word also, mega, great voice came out of the temple from the throne. God speaks. Now we got a great earthquake. And then it says, now, verse 19, the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. Just let that kind of wash over you for a minute. The great city, the great city, Revelation 11, verse 8, refers to Jerusalem. In fact, there's a, it seems to be separated from Babylon, which we're going to see in the next verse. So Revelation 11, 8, I'm pretty sure that's where it's at, speaks about Jerusalem. So God speaks with a great voice. There's a great shaking, the greatest earthquake that's ever hit. And now all of a sudden, Jerusalem gets detonated into three parts. And then think about all the cities of the nations, New York, Houston, L.A., Singapore, cities in Singapore, uh, Hong Kong, Tokyo, uh, all across the world, all these cities now collapsing. Boom, 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 one after another. I mean, that's heavy, isn't it? This earthquake is shaking. And so, but it's interesting to me that a distinction is made concerning Jerusalem. Listen, Jerusalem, Israel is the epicenter of biblical prophecy. Are you with me this morning? It's so crucial to understand that it is the city of the great king, our Lord Jesus Christ. And that is where he will be ruling and reigning from during the millennial kingdom. And all nations will come to him. He's going to give us a Bible study there. Anybody excited for that? Man, how killer. Jesus giving us a Bible study. Everybody will flow to Jerusalem. But at this point, Jerusalem gets detonated. Why? What's going on here, man? What's up with that? Well, number one, there's an unsanctioned temple that was built. God never told anyone to build the new temple, and it will be rebuilt, by the way, which is in the works, all of it. It will be rebuilt for those sacrifices and offerings to be offered there in Jerusalem. But the place gets detonated. Why does Jerusalem get detonated? Do you guys know that by and large in Jerusalem today, most Jews are atheists? They reject God. Oh, many of them go through the religious stuff. Hanukkah, right? Come light the menorah, Passover. They celebrate that. But they don't believe in the true and the living God or have a relationship with him through Jesus Christ. There are some, yes. But by and large, atheists don't even believe in God. Is is that sad? And at this time in the tribulation period, According to Revelation chapter 11, verse 8, Jerusalem has deteriorated to the place of being likened to Egypt and Sodom. Egypt was known for its idolatry, thank you. Sodom was known for its sexual immorality. But let me just drop a little something on us this morning that I totally forgot about. In Ezekiel chapter 16, if you're taking notes, God tells us, he likens Jerusalem and Israel to Sodom back there also. Heavy. 
Ezekiel 16, verse 49. Actually, it's, it's crazy. In this chapter, God told Jerusalem... You are worse than Samaria and worse than Sodom. And, and here's what, this is what the Lord says. Verse 49, look, this was, this was the iniquity of your sister Sodom. This is so interesting. She and her daughter had pride, fullness of food, and abundance of idleness. What's idleness? Laziness, thank you. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy, and they were haughty and committed abomination before me. Therefore, I took them away as I saw fit. Isn't that interesting? Doesn't, does that sound familiar, by the way? That sounds like us, doesn't it? United States? For me, that's heavy. Pride, laziness, fullness of food. I mean, our kids don't think we have a full, right? They can't look, look at the refrigerator. We've got nothing to eat. It's totally stocked, right? They didn't help the poor and the needy, the people that were hurting. It's like, whoa, man. So Jerusalem, at this time of the tribulation, has deteriorated to this place, gets detonated, all the cities of the nation, they're crumbling. And then look at the next part of the verse, verse 19, second half. What does it say? And great Babylon. So a lot of great stuff happening in this chapter. Well, not so great stuff, but great is used over and over, right? Do you guys see that with me? God's great voice. Great earthquake, right? What happens? Great city, divided. And now great Babylon was remembered before God. Why? to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. And so God did not forget about Babylon, this great city. She would be judged as well. And notice since she, we learned earlier in chapter 14, uh, verse 8, um, she offered to the world um, a cup also, a cup of fornication, a cup of immorality, spiritual and sexual, she offered a cup and intoxicated lots of people. And so what's the judgment for her? You too get a cup, but you get the cup of judgment. And isn't that, God, God's judgment is right on. It's appropriate, isn't it? We see it all the way through. And we will learn more next week in chapter 17 and 18 concerning the fall of Babylon in a parenthetical break. And so um, for that to happen, though, I just want to kind of point this out. For Babylon, the city to fall, it needs to be rebuilt. Babylon right now, there in modern-day Iraq, between the Tigris and the Euphrates, um, it's got like it, very meager, uh, it's not built up yet. There's some, there's some ruins there from Nebuchadnezzar's day, but I believe, it's my own personal opinion, that Babylon, the city, will be rebuilt, and it will be uh, the Antichrist, the center, the headquarters for his kingdom, and it will eventually get wiped out at the end 
of the tribulation period. And so um, there's going to be a restoration, a, a revival of Babylon. And so God will deal with Babylon. And then look at verse 20 with me. Then every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. And so this great earthquake, so when, when there's an earthquake, and it's a great one, there's never been one like it before, causes tsunamis, correct? The water's bloody. You've got bloody tsunamis. Literally in the Greek, it means every island sank. You've got bloody tsunamis from the earthquake that are happening. The, the topographical, there's changes. The mountains are getting wiped out also at this time. That's pretty heavy, isn't it? The earth gets rearranged. And by the way, for those people that think we are in the tribulation or that we passed through the tribulation, we're in the millennial reign of Christ, can I just remind you there's still some islands out there? Before they get wiped out, get over to Hawaii. Cuba's still there. So the earth gets rearranged, and then verse 21, the final plague. A great hail, so something else hit. A great hail from heaven fell upon men, each hailstone about the weight of a talent. Men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, since that plague was exceedingly great. And so hailstones Weighing as much as, how much is a talent? About 100 pounds. That's right. Think about that. A 100-pound hailstone. And I, I shared this first service. You know, some people say, well, the, the, the Greek measurement of a talent is uh, 104 pounds, and the Hebrew measurement is 100 and something pounds, and pastor, you need to get it right. And I say, when they get hit with that, they don't care whether it's Greek or Hebrew. <laughs> Hailstone. <laughs> and, and I bring that up because I, I, I had to uh, apologize to the, uh, the precious people of our first service and you guys too. Um, I, I'm a sucker for people that want to debate Scripture, that want to, after service... That want to that want to edit the sermon. I'm a sucker, and 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 please forgive me, because I listen. I am like a fighter, and I I throw my hat right in the ring so quickly. And and the problem is, I know some some people in our congregation need prayer and need ministry, and that pulls me away from ministering to you. And I'm sorry. I know I should just say, you know what, dude, I'll talk to you later. But email me. Because is it really worth getting into a debate? We're not even going to be here for this. And how dumb, isn't it? But I think people like, I think there's just people that like to do that. Because what does it do? I know the Greek and the Hebrew better than you. You know what that means? Great, dude. Bible trivial pursuit, you'll have all the answers. <laughs> Hallelujah. But I just, you know what? Just forgive me because I so often it happens. Pray for me. I get pulled away, and I know people need ministry, need prayer, and um, if you're, if you're, if you're going to put on the gloves, I'll meet you in the bike racks after service <laughs> this afternoon. 
Isn't it interesting that they fell upon men? Totally accurate guidance systems here. Like, remember when David hit Goliath right between the eyes? Some people say, oh, it was because of his great training and this and that. Dude, that was supernaturally guided, just like these hailstones. I couldn't believe it. In the book of Job, chapter, if you're taking notes, Job 38 in verse 20, actually 22 rather. This is supernatural. It says in Job 38, 22, check this out. God has a treasury of hail, which he has reserved for the time of trouble, for the day of battle and war. And we see that, don't we? We know the seventh plague in Egypt was hailstones. Y'all remember that? God brought hail upon Egypt while the children of Israel were chilling out in Goshen. And those Egyptians that paid heed, took heed to God's word through Moses, they were protected too. And then later in Joshua chapter 10, remember when Joshua brought um, the children of Israel into the promised land, the Canaanites, the, all the bullies got together and took them on for a battle. And Joshua and the guys began to, to pummel them. And then God brought some hail right out of his storehouse. Took them out. What's the lesson, man? Don't mess with God. <laughs> but look at, the, look at the response. The plague was so heavy, and yet they continue to trash talk God to curse him, to blame him for the consequences of their sin. It's interesting, too, that in the Old Testament, you guys remember what the penalty was for blasphemy? You got it. It was stoning. And so we see, we find another appropriate judgment that fits their ongoing crime of blasphemy. And listen, if you re refuse the love, the grace, the forgiveness of God through Jesus Christ, then all you have left is law. All you have left is the law to judge you. And we're all lawbreakers, aren't we? Are we all lawbreakers here this morning? I heard about maybe 80% of the room. How about just a little test? You guys ever see those white signs with numbers on them when you're driving? 45, 55. You guys ever, you guys ever seen those? They don't fix your speeding problem, do they? They show you you got one. Correct? Am I, is that, that sign can't fix you. The law, listen, the law shows us that we're lawbreakers. The law shows us that we fall short of God's glory, that we are in need of forgiveness, that we are in need of the Savior. And God knew our greatest need, so what did he do? He sent his son to die on the cross on our behalf to take the punishment, to take the pain and suffering that we deserve for our sins. He was the full and satisfying payment, propitiation, big theological word, he was the propitiation for our sins, the full and satisfying payment. And I'm bringing this up because, listen, there's a parallel that we, what we've just read in chapter 16 with what Jesus did for us on the cross. As we look at God's wrath poured out at this time during the tribulation, think about it. We see darkness, don't we? We see blood. We see a lot of blood being spilt 
We see a lot of pain. We see a lot of suffering happening. And we also hear, it is finished. That was one of the seven statements that Jesus made from the cross as he was in darkness, as he suffered on our behalf. He's the one that absorbed the wrath that we deserve. As he hung, you remember what he said? Remember the seven statements? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. Today, remember he said to the thief on the cross next to him, today you will be with me in paradise. You're going to be with me in heaven. Mother, your son, son, your mother, building relationships as he's suffering. I thirst. Here's the one that created water, and he's saying, I thirst. He's the one that said, come to me and drink, and out of your hearts will flow rivers of living water, and he's thirsting. The one that just like, like pierces my heart every time I read it. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Dad, where are you? Dad, where are you? There was a disconnect between the father and the son that never happened ever before and never would happen ever again for that time, all alone, stripped naked, humiliated, beaten, battered, bloody. And he's crying that out, Dad, where are you? Why? So that you and I would never have to say that. As, he absor- as all of our trash, all of our sin was piled upon him, at that point, that disconnect, so that we would never be disconnected from him. That we could know no matter what the shaking is going on in our lives, no matter how heavy things get, we know that Jesus said, I am with you, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. No matter where you go, I'm your shepherd. I will shepherd your life and care for you. But he asked us to build He asked us to be wise builders, gang. We need to build our house on the rock. Because shaking will come. Storms will come. They happen to all of us. None of us are immune to storms in our lives. In fact, remember, Jesus ended the Sermon on the Mount that way, didn't he? You guys remember? What chapter was that? Matthew what? It's in the book, isn't it? Matthew 7, thank you. He didn't say there's like, there's like 52 kinds of builders, man. All kinds of different builders. There's only two kinds of builders. The wise and the the foolish builder. And Jesus said the wise builder builds his house, builds his life, builds his marriage, builds his career, whatever, ministry, on the rock. And he said those that hear my word and do them and does them, puts them into practice, I will liken to a wise man. When the storms come, when the earthquakes hit, when there's shaking going on, your house will not crumble. What what an amazing promise. Isn't that awesome? But then the flip side is what? He said, the foolish builder, you're building your house on the sand. He said, that's the person that 
hears my words but doesn't do them. Oh, yeah, man. Whatever. Oh, I know that. You guys ever hear that? I know that already. You know how many times I've heard that? You're pre- Here's the other saying. You're preaching to the choir. Listen, the choir. We're all the choir, aren't we, singing to Jesus this morning? No. We, don't we need reminders? I know that already. I, I, I had a guy, I, I can't go there, sorry. <laughs> can't go there. But, but here's the deal, gang. We ha- Listen, none of us are immune to storms. Storms hit both men's house. Earthquakes hit both houses. Shaking happens to both houses. And it's his kingdom that is unshakable. Our Jesus is unshakable. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And all he's asking is saying, trust me, obey, walk in the things I'm asking you to walk in. And you'll be building your house on the correct foundation. And what's awesome is we also have the answer for the final storm, the final earthquake. And what is that? The final shaking, and that's death. Right? Statistics still the same, 10 out of 10. Stop sucking air, right? And we have the answer in the face of death. Jesus said, because I live, so you too will live. He said in his dying breath, what? After he thirsts, it is finished. Paid in full. There's nothing you and I can add to or take away from. It's paid in full. Your sin debt, mine. He simply says, trust me. Put your life in my hands. Watch what I will do as you build your life on me in Jesus' name. Lord, thank you so much. You made it so simple, Lord, so wonderful, so glorious. What a blessing to be your kiddos, to be your sheep, Lord. To have you as our shepherd. To have you caring for us. To know that you are with us that we're never alone. Thank you, Jesus, for enduring the cross, despising the shame. Willingly laying down your life that we might have life. By this we know love. Thank you for loving us. Thank you that we are no longer abiding under God's wrath. But we are abiding in you, Lord Jesus. Thank you so much. May we bear sweet fruit for your glory as we trust and obey and trust in the power of the Holy Spirit whom you've given to us to help us, our helper, our comforter, And this morning as we are um, still in an attitude of prayer, maybe you are going through shaking right now in your life and you need prayer. Going through storms, going through stuff. Maybe you're having a hard time telling up from down where you're at. Can I pray for you right now? Would you just raise up your hand? Just slip up your hand. I'll pray for you. God bless you. God bless you. Praise God. God bless you. I see your hand. I see your hand. 
God bless you, bro. I see your hand. You can put your hand down. God bless you, bro. God bless you, brother. God bless you, sister. God bless you. God bless you. I see your hand. Anyone else this morning? We're, we're called to cast all of our care upon him because he cares for us. And then we're called to pray for one another. I want to pray for you this morning. Anyone else you're going through difficulties? God bless you. Lots of shaking going on in your life. I see your hand. God bless you. God bless you. I see your hand. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Awesome. Anyone else? Before I pray for our brothers and sisters, I would encourage you, if you did not put up your hand, would you please be praying with me for our brothers and sisters that are going through difficulty, going through shaking in their life. And Lord, we do thank you that you allow shaking in our lives. And sometimes you even need to bring shaking to our lives. So often that which is material or temporal gets sifted away and that we're reminded to invest in that which is eternal. And Lord, that we would not put our trust in temporal things, but to put our trust in you. And so, Lord, I just want to lift up my brothers and sisters and you know all of the situations, all of the, the pain, the sadness. Maybe even there might be anger or bitterness, Lord. And that this morning you would comfort them and encourage them. I pray, God, you'd help them to see clearly that this morning they would be reminded of your great love that nothing can separate us from your great love. That you would remind them this morning, Lord, that their lives are in your hands and that you are truly working all things together for good of those that love you. We love you, Lord. Would you keep my brothers and sisters close to your heart? Remind them, Lord, of your nearness. And your thoughts toward them are continually good. Bless them, Lord, in a special way. May it turn out as an amazing testimony to your grace, your goodness, and for your glory. As we're still in an attitude of prayer, before we finish, our time together in God's Word. Perhaps you've been listening this morning and you've never come to know Jesus Christ personally. He, again, He loves you. He demonstrated His love for you and for me by coming and dying on the cross for your sins and my sins. He suffered, died, and was buried and rose again on the third day. And He's reaching out to you right now to rescue you, to forgive you, 
to give you a fresh start in the hope of heaven this morning. You come just as you are to him to put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Is that you this morning? Can I pray with you? I'll lead you in a simple prayer as you give your heart to him. Would you raise up your hand if that's you this morning? Let me pray with you. I'll lead you. Very simple. Most important decision you'll ever make is concerning your eternity. Anyone at all here this morning? Anyone at all? Father, we thank you again for this special time. Would you please continue to lead and guide and direct our steps that we might always be in your perfect will. Fill us with your spirit that rivers of living water might flow from our innermost being as you promised, Lord Jesus, that our lives would make a difference. And so we thank you. We commit the rest of this day to you now. And it's in your name, Lord Jesus, your precious and your holy name, we pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen. All right. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And may his face shine upon you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand together for one last song.
thank you, Jesus, for our time in your word, and thank you for this time of, of worship, Lord. We ask that you would please help us to apply what you have instructed us in. Lord, we will be those that have heard your word this morning, be wise builders that put it into practice and do it, Lord, that we will be able to withstand the shaking, the storms that, that we all face, Lord, we're not immune to, but Lord, we know that you are with us. We thank you for your grace, Lord, that... Uh, is sufficient, Lord. You know what we what we need, and we have you to help us, Lord. So I pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit and bless our time of fellowship, Lord. Help us to shine brightly to those around us. We ask in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. God bless you guys.